Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We are in John, and I'm so glad we're staying with it because it's so important to just read the Word and slow down enough to just really get every morsel out of what God is saying. And, you know, Downey, when you were singing that first song, the um, Revelation song, um, it says, the God who was and is and will be. And we're going to see that in Jesus saying that he is the God who was and will and will be. And we need to remember that, um, and, and I'll show you in a minute what I'm talking about, but I'm really excited about this. We left off with the, the woman of Samaria who came to draw water, and Jesus asked her for a drink, mm-hmm. and just we, we left off right there, and we, we discussed how Samaritans are hated by Jews. The Samaritans are pretty much considered a cult, and um, Jesus tells this woman The hour is coming and now is, which is interesting because it's like, think about that. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He looks at this woman who's had all these different husbands, who's living with a man that's not her husband, who's in some funky cult, and he's saying, I am radically changing the entire world and all that human beings think because I'm saying it does not matter. Your bloodline does not matter. What you have done does not matter. What the past is does not matter. Where you're from does not matter. What your grandparents did does not matter. I am looking there for people who will come and worship me in spirit and in truth. And he's saying the time is to come and the time is now. The hour is to come and the hour is now. It's, it's, it's like, God, you know, how would this little Samaritan woman know that, that Jesus is saying, I am he. She knows that. But she's also saying, and the time is coming where that curtain's going to be ripped apart. And there's not going to be any division in the temple of the Holy of Holies between God the Father and anyone who wants to come to him through Jesus. Whether you're Samaritan, Phoenician, um, Irish, Mexican, whatever you are, there's no division. And, and you know, there was so much um, religious piety and so many rules and so many laws. And God showed the people through that that you can't really follow the law. I mean, you have to have a Savior. They were waiting for a Messiah. So he is telling the Samaritan woman, I, I am he. I am he. And then he goes on to John um, 4, 24. It says, God is a spirit. And God's, Jesus is saying something really huge here. Really, 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 really huge. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus is saying right there, you cannot connect to God with your mind. You cannot connect to God with your intellect. 
you cannot connect to God with your feelings, with your experiences. You have to go spirit to spirit. You've got to get down to the truth. He says spirit and truth. And that's when we really get down and we're honest with each other. I mean, with ourselves. Let me say ourselves because um, I can, like, really um, trick myself. I did yesterday, you know. I, I, I mean, I, I just um, ate poorly. I ate popcorn for lunch, and I was rushing around, and then I grabbed some kind of chips, and then around dinner time, I didn't feel well, and my back hurt worse, and I was like, God, you know, this is such a burden that my back hurts, you know, and the Holy Spirit was like, hello, you know, hello, did you drink any water? Uh, no, I had a Diet Coke. Hello, did you do any of the things you're supposed to do? You know, God has a part and we have a part, but God is truth. God is truth and God is a spirit. So when we come to him, we have to come to him through our spirit and through truth. That means sometimes we realize, wow, I've been lying to myself. Sometimes we try to go to God and it's not going to work. It's not going to work to give him excuses. It's not going to work to say, but, you know, so-and-so yelled at me first and had that conversation with my daughter this morning. She was like, so-and-so in the family who will remain unnamed was in a very bad mood before they left. And they yelled at me, so I yelled back. And I said, but that doesn't excuse your yelling. And she's like, Mom, you're just weird. You're the only person I know who can just not yell back. And I said, no. It's just that if somebody else is deciding to yell or have a bad day or whatever they're doing, then I don't have to let that control me. The Holy Spirit can control you more and more. The more the Word is in you, the more the Word comes out of you. Um, as a matter of fact, the Bible says in it, through the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, you know, what's really in your heart a lot of times just comes out. And so that's why those that, are, that live with us, that know us, you know, can sometimes really know what's in our hearts. And we need to pour our hearts out to God, but we need to worship him in spirit and in truth and be truthful with him. You know, um, we, we've talked about this before, but there's so many people that say, well, they're seeking God, they're seeking God. But see, you seek God as he is through his word, through his revelations, through who he says he is. And then we go to him and say, I can never meet that standard. I don't really understand it all, but I want to just give you me and take everything, Jesus, and just thank you for the fact that I have forgiveness because of you. You know, sometimes I even look back and I'm like, I, it's a miracle I'm alive. And, and I'm not even talking about like just doctor's mistakes and leukemia and whatever. I'm talking about just stupid stuff I've done. Just stupid, stupid, stupid. It's a miracle that God still loves me and wants to use me. Think about his patience, his long suffering, his goodness his mercy, and that most of the people in the Bible didn't even seem to get started until they were like 70 or 100. So none of us in this room have any excuse like, well, I'm really getting started late on this. So uh -uh. God doesn't see it that way at all, at 
all. And he doesn't see age. And he just wants to come. He wants us to be truthful with ourselves. He wants us to be truthful with ourselves and come to him in spirit, meaning, you know, God, with all that I am and, 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 and not come to him seeking his approval of the lifestyle that we choose. And that's what a lot of people do is they say they're seeking God, but they're really seeking whatever will approve what they're already doing or whatever will approve what they already approve of. And, you know, God, it's, it's a narrow way. It's a limited path. God says the way is narrow. I don't like that, you know. I kind of want to be, come on, everybody, you know. But God says it's through my son and it's through my word. And so there's a lot of times that I have to say, God, I don't understand what you mean here and I don't understand how this fits in with society, but I just choose to agree with you. Literally, like a child. Like, oh, it's dinner time. You know, like a child. Like, not like, okay, what are we having for dinner, Mom? Do you have napkins out? You know, would a two-year-old do that? A two-year-old would just be like, get up in the high chair and be fed dinner. You know? Unless they were acting up, but that's a whole other story. But, you know, you can fool others and you can fool yourself, but you can't fool God. You've got to really think about that. You can fool others and you can fool yourself. And you can't fool God. Another little person that's going to remain unnamed was left um, for school uh, several days ago last week um, with a pair of large tennis shoes which don't fit him which he likes to wear because they're a cool brand that some friends of his have given him and he likes his feet to look larger and his dad does not approve of these tennis shoes because a he looks like a clown and b he's concerned that he's going to trip and hurt himself and so I was getting him ready for school, unzipped his backpack to get his lunch in the backpack and saw that he had these bright colored, way too big tennis shoes in the backpack. And so I looked at this small person and said, you're wearing the tennis shoes that mommy and daddy bought you. Yes. Well, why do you have the other ones in the backpack in case I need to change into them? I said, no, well, then if you're going to change into them, why don't you just wear them right now? Because I'm going to wear these, and I might just change into them. I don't know. Well, why do you have them in the backpack? Because, I don't know, I'm, Dad doesn't care. He doesn't care if I wear these or wear those. But I have them in the backpack in case he starts caring. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. I mean, you know, God so slams us with our kids, you know, and with other people because we, we realize that I, I double talk to myself. I mean, we need to be so honest with ourselves. That's the way you change. That's the way you get clean. And I had to, like, you know, really look this little person in the, in the eye and say, you're lying to yourself. 
You're lying to me, but you're lying to yourself too because you know that you're not supposed to take these, so they're hidden in your backpack. What do you have hidden in your backpack today? Seriously, that you're not supposed to be carrying around. I'm talking to you. And you could say to God, well, this is just in case, or this is just because, I'll forgive them later, but you know, right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be mad. I don't understand that, but I have a, a relative who actually gets happy to be mad, you know? And, and it's like, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't want to have reconciliation with God and with this whole situation because she's gaining energy off this being mad business that I'm the opposite. It just drains me, but it doesn't matter who you are. It's who God is. And we're to be conformed to his image it says in his word that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we might prove the will of God in our own lives through changing to his image. That's in Romans 12 too. And it's through hearing the word and it's through reading the word and it's through recognizing and saying, wow, I get it, you know. And so Jesus says, there's a time coming and is now. What's he saying? He's saying, there's a time coming and, and, and everyone, the curtain will be rent for everyone to come to God. But the time is also now because I am he where God will just simply say, I want those who worship me in spirit and in truth. And you know, that's a good, scary thing. Because if we lie to, your, to ourselves, if, if you lie to yourself long enough, you actually you can actually fool yourself. There, there are actually people that go to church every Sunday and lie to themselves long enough to believe that they are Christians. And Christians are people who have received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and have made him not only their Savior, but their Lord. And only God can, we can't let our brains trail to anyone else because that's what we tend to do. We, we tend to go, instead of like looking inside ourselves, we tend to go, hmm, I wonder if so-and-so is really a Christian. And, or I'm worried about that person or this person. We can't do that. We have to just pray and know that God loves that person, whoever we're thinking of, more than we ever could imagine that he's seeking after them, that he's continually going forth after them, and that we, even as a group, and even whoever's listening around the world, the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and it means you have no idea how much your prayers move heaven and earth and angels and cause things to happen. And so just to pray for someone, and we'll do that at the end. We'll pray for anyone who may have lied to themselves and may feel like, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian and not really even know God, not know his goodness, not know his forgiveness, not know his love, not know that they can start over every day, that his mercies are new every morning, not know that they can have joy, that they can trust in his plan. And my mother-in-law right now, she, she can't see. She has macular degeneration. She had a stroke, several strokes, so she can't 
feel her right side, and she can't, because of the stroke, talk. And I was with her um, a few days ago reading some scriptures and some poems, and that's a tough place to be in. You can't see, you can't talk, you can't move. And, you know, you think, God, what are you, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? But we have to trust him with his timing. Yes, she's, she's ready to go. But at the same time, can he bring in still joy and truth and light and life in her life? Yes, he can. And I was praying, you know, Lord, just Let's just show her your activity. You know, sometimes we just need to see activity from God. You know, I don't care what it is. I just need to see her moving. And so I was reading out of this book that my mom had given me called The Shepherd's Heart. And um, I was reading to Graham and she would kind of nod and have me reread certain scriptures or certain poems that she really liked. Um, And... um, In came the young speech therapist, and she said, what are you reading? And she's trying to get, you know, Graham to to talk for herself, so Graham doesn't know the title of the book because I didn't even tell her. So I said, this is the title of the book, and then I proceeded to read some things, and then the speech therapist said, now what's the title? And she wrote it down, and I said, this book is out of print. She said, I'm going to do everything to try to get it because I need it. I need it for myself so bad. She said, I am stressed out. I have a little baby. I'm overworked. I don't know how in the world. I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, I need whoever this shepherd is that you're talking about. You know? Most of everything was about a shepherd that would guide us, that would be with us, that would keep us, that would, just like Downey saying earlier, remember me. Remember my love. God, if you've never known it before, he's always been there. And you can just kind of lean back in his truth and his love and his and His faithfulness. It's a good, good thing. So, okay, we'll get back to the Samaritan woman. John 4, 25, the woman said to Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. Because, yes, the Samaritans also believed the Messiah was coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. (laughs) Now tell me, you wouldn't be blown away. You're like this little Samaritan woman, you, you, you know, and the Messiah you're waiting for. And here's this person who's already told you the truth about yourself. And he, you know, God seemed to really be drawn to this little Samaritan woman, God through Jesus Christ, because she was so truthful. Remember, she didn't say, oh, well, I'm, you know, married and I'm very, she said, look, I've had all these men and I'm not even married to the one I have now. And, you know, I'm waiting for the Messiah and I'm a mess and I'm, and Jesus just, he went and talked to her. And in that day, think too, men didn't talk to women. You know, so later on, we're going to see that when his disciples get back, they're in awe that, A, he's talking to a woman because that is like, what, what are you, why are you talking to a woman? You know, women were second class citizens. And then two, a Samaritan woman? Really? I mean, that was like talking to some culty weirdo. But see, God doesn't care. 
He sees your heart. And if he sees you anywhere around the world seeking spirit and truth, you will find him. If you're really seeking him in spirit and truth, you will find him. If you're not seeking your own answer, if you're not seeking your own lifestyle, if you're not seeking your own excuse, if you're not seeking to just um, have your way fit in somehow with his way and compensate, he's asking for those. He's wanting those. He's going around the world and bringing those who are seeking him in spirit and in truth. That means beyond my intellect. You know, sometimes people say, well, so-and-so is just way too smart to ever, you know, believe in Jesus. Well, good grief. I mean, how many archaeological finds do we have to have? I I don't believe that excuse for a minute. Um, I think Josh McDowell is brilliant, and he set out to disprove um, Christianity, and now he's one of the biggest apologetics. I think Ravi Zacharias is brilliant, and he was a Hindu, and in India, and now is one of the leading Christian apologetic persons. I mean, there are countless brilliant people. But what helps me sometimes, not being brilliant, is that I can say, I don't get it. (laughs) I really don't get what you just said. And I know, like I'll read some of the Bible sometime and just be like, I don't get it. But back to, I disagree with you. I just choose to agree with you. I just choose to agree with you. I um, I went on a long walk one time and I just said, God, I just need truth in my life about just everything. And God just showed me one thing after another um, about me that... I didn't really feel like I could do anything about, but it was true. And I said, God, what do you want me to do about this? Because that's our first inclination is, well, how can I fix it? How can I do better? How can I journal more? How can I go to the right counselor? How can I da-da-da-da-da? And he said, I don't want you to fix it. I want you to just agree with me. Do you know it just starts with agreeing with God? You know where our lives will go if we just agree with God and say, God, I can't change me. Only you can change me. But I agree with you that I'm judgmental or I agree with you that I'm short-tempered or I agree with you that I'm um, impatient or I agree with you that I don't get into the word and I need to get into the word and I know I'm supposed to get in the word and I'm not in the word and I agree with you and I don't have any excuses. None. I just agree with you, and I need your help to change me. And it's so refreshing because then it's not our problem, it's his. And I was driving down the street the other day, and I I was just saying to God, wow, you sure have a lot of my problems. (laughs) I was like, I am so glad to be able to turn on music and, and, and laugh and be joyful and call friends back and things. Because if you didn't have my problems, I would be depressed. I mean, you have my whole family. You have every situation and every need covered. And I literally will give him that situation. 
give him that situation. Give him that situation. Now, I do what he tells me to do. Do I always do it right? Do I always do it perfectly? No, but that's what Jesus is so amazing to come through. And he, through his mercy, he says even the things we do by mistake or willingly are wrong, he will use for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I mean, do you get a God better than that? You can't. And so I just have to say, God, step by step today. Today is the day. And he says that. He says, I want you to pray this way. You know, give us this day our daily bread. Why didn't he say, give us this month our daily ration? Why didn't he say, give us this year our yearly annual amount that we need. See, as humans, we want to look way ahead, and God is like day, day, day to day, 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 day to day. If you look ahead, you could be overwhelmed. I could be overwhelmed. And if you don't think of something that you could be overwhelmed about, I'll tell you a few of my things, and you'll soon be very overwhelmed. But see, God has them. God has them, and I have today. And what I love about Lamentations 3.21 is it says that his mercies are new every morning. That's so good. It's like he's not someone who says, well, yesterday you sure were a crank and you used some words that I really didn't. God is so good that when we ask his forgiveness, he chooses not to remember And that's a really different concept for us because God, he's God, so he can't forget. I mean, he's God. God's omniscient. God's omnipresent. God is God. I mean, he knows everything. But he says, as God, I choose not to remember. And he says that in his word at least five times. And he says, if if you will call upon my name and if you ask for forgiveness, I will remember your sins no more. And so what we need to learn is that God wants us to choose not to remember so that we can go on to the next thing. We've got to go on to the next thing because, hey, we are are needed. Do you know how many Christians are out on the bench just going, okay, well, looks like the softball team's doing just fine, so I'll just sit out on the bench here and do my little thing because I'm not a very good softball player and... So I'm not going to make any mistakes, nor do I want to interrupt the game. So the, 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 all these softball players are out. We'll say they're Christians. They're out, and they're playing, and they're playing, and they're playing. They're getting tired. Why? Because there's 20 of them out doing whatever God's telling them to do, and there's like 500 people on the bench going, you're doing great, you know. And then every, every once in a while, someone on the bench will say, um, you know what, could you... Uh, catch that long ball and 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 while you're at it could you pray for so and so because you're a better prayer than i am well there is no better prayer than someone else we all need to participate we all need to get in there and you know you, you hear about burnout with reverends and ministers and people and they fall and and all of this and they're exhausted and well yeah because half the team or more than the team is on the bench We all need to be out there doing whatever God has called us to do. 
And we don't know what he's called us to do till we get in his word and discover Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says our life is hidden in Christ. Isn't that so cool? So the more you learn, the more you discover, the more revelation that comes to you about truth, who is Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The more you know who you really are and what you're to be doing on this earth. You know, it's not the big things. It's just the obedience things. We're not all supposed to be missionaries in Africa, but we all are called to do what we're called to do. And a lot of us miss that calling because we haven't even taught our ears to hear. And you attune your ears to hear the shepherd's voice by reading his word. That's how you hear his voice. So here's this little Samaritan woman, John 4, 27. And at this point, it says his disciples came. I think they went off to find some food is what I think. But we'll see. His disciples came and they marveled that he had talked with a woman. We talked about that. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She's like, could this be the Messiah? I mean, she's out there. She's, she's telling. She's out there telling her city. Then they went out of the city and came to him. Well, in the meantime, John 4.31, the disciples urged Jesus, saying, Rabbi, teacher, eat. But he said to them, and you know what? He didn't say to them this to be like um, holier than thou. <laughs> I know that sounds funny to say that Jesus would try to be holier than thou. But he's, everything he says is for us, for our transformation and for our goodness and for a reason. And so he's saying this to his disciples for a reason. They say, here, we've got some food. Rabbi, eat. And he says, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And I'm sure, especially Peter, Peter's probably looking at him like, what? You know, and I'm sure, you know, John may be looking at him adoringly like, oh, that's kind of a neat little saying. And, you know, you got to think about all the personalities of these, of these men. And, and what would you think if, if you knew that the teacher, the Messiah, the Christ, he was in human form, and, and all you knew is you're supposed to be following him and helping him and be a disciple, a student of his. And he hadn't eaten in a long time. You bring him food, and he says, I have food that you don't know of. I mean, they were puzzled so much of the time. And I have to kind of hand it to them because they stuck in there, you know. A lot of people trailed away because they didn't understand. Do you know that a lot of Christians will trail away if they don't understand? Do you know how much of the Bible I don't understand? And and yet I'm able as a child of God to say, but I agree with you, God. I trust you. And so here he says, 
I have food to eat of which you do not know. And the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything else to eat? I mean, look at how the Bible's describing it. The disciples are saying to one another, okay, did you bring him something? No, I didn't. John, did you sneak him some fish? I did not. I have not been back here. Who's this Samaritan woman? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Did he bring bread in his tunic? I, why are you asking me? I don't know. Okay, so Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I mean, that's like, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He's teaching that obedience is spiritual food. And when we don't obey God, we sometimes feel spiritually starved and weak. And more into what I would say is our flesh mode. And we need to be fed and fed as a priority to us to feed ourselves spiritual food, to read the word of God, to hear the word of God. I love, I love hearing the word of God. I've told Elizabeth before, I'm an, I'm an audio learner. I'm an audio learner. Some of us are visual and have to take notes and others of us and, and, and look at the Bible. Others of us are audio. Just know, you get to know what, do, do the Bible the way that, that God has creatively created you. And we live in such a time where really there is no excuse that you can't have the Bible on CD in your car or you can't have good talks about the word in your car or that you can't have a DVD that you replace maybe one of the shows that you watch with a DVD of something that means something to you and, and brings you closer to the Lord that's full of the word or that you can't get up at five. I mean, I used to think I could not get up at five. There was no way. No one, no one got up at five. And then I married Lacey Witten about 23 years ago and I realized you can get up at five and you can survive. And the man gets up at five because he is a rooster. And he just, that's just his normal activity. And he likes everything in order and he likes to get everything. But you know what? I've got to get up that early because otherwise I've learned that the day gets away from me and I do not get in the word. And when the day that gets away with me and I don't get in the word, I am starved for that day. You know when you skip a meal and your stomach's growling, you're kind of a little bit irritable? Well, what if you don't get in the word for a week? There's, there's just that little saying like, if you're not in the word for a day, you know it. And if you're not in the word for a couple of days, everyone else does. But you, you know what? That... That is so true because that is our spiritual food. In John 6, 33, again, 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 we can't hear it enough, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. We're not supposed to be seeking first what we're going to wear to something. We're not supposed to be seeking first you know, what, uh, what we're going to eat that day. We're not supposed to be seeking first um, how we really feel and, 
and call people back. I mean, sometimes it is such a temptation because I have my Bible on the computer to seek first my email. And I, how sad is that? I mean, I talk on the radio. I teach the word. I know it says seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. And Satan will go, you have 31 emails. And I'll be like, no, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm closing that screen and I'm going back to John. And, you know, and then a few minutes later, I'll think, I can read like five emails and then maybe like five verses. And then I start to say things like, what if something's urgent? <laughs> and I'm like, then God goes, well, what are you going to do at five in the morning with an urgent email? Seriously. And so then I got to, but I go back and forth and back and forth. We are always going to be tempted not to be in the word because that is the worst thing for Satan is if his God's people get in the word, they get fed, they get strong, they start acting like Jesus, they start changing the world where they are and all around the world. And then people around the world say, wow, how did you know that person was a Christian? By their love. I mean, I've just not seen love like that. That's what Jesus said. How are they to know that you're a Christian? By your love. Not that you have a certain, you know, parking place at church or something that I'm, our family has always parked here or our family has always sat in this pew. So if you don't mind, um, we need you to move over. Um, I mean, we are not going to know you're a Christian by the pew you sit in. But we are supposed to know you're a Christian by the inconveniences in your life and how you handle them. The pain and, and the suffering and the difficulties that you have in your life and how you handle them. And if you try to handle them or if you say, God, you handle them. I mean, that is just such a great thing to be able to say, God, you handle that. Especially for those of us who are like fix-it people, you know. Okay, I will call a certain person who I will not name. And instead of just listening to me, which is all I want them to do, they will tell me five or six ways in which to fix the problem. That, of course, I've already tried because... Why wouldn't I, over the last 10 years, have already tried those simple ways? And this person will still commence to tell me how to fix the problem. Some of us are just, I love you, Mom. Some of us are just that way. Some of us are just that way, you know? And we need to also not do that with ourselves. Like, okay, it's Christmas, and I'm going to have so-and-so, and I know this person's going to do this and that, and this family member's going to do this and that, so I'm going to say this and that, and then I'm going to do this and that, and then we're going to do that. Just say, God, take it. Take it. You have such a better plan. Just you take it. You fix it. And, and one of the best things to have God fix is yourself. Because I don't know about you, but working on yourself is absolutely miserable. Seriously. And the world proclaims that it's a great thing. And you can get so caught up in working on yourself that, I mean, God's not even in the picture anymore. It's just more like, how do I think that what I think is why I think that? And, oh my gosh, it just gets to be a, a, a vortex of depression. 
instead of knowing that I'm going to know more about who I really am the more I know about Jesus himself. So he says to the disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What is spiritual bread? God's word. God's word, what he tells us to do. Love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your strength and all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we could just boil it down just like Jesus did to those two scriptures. They said, what are the most important scriptures? Love God and love others. And so what should be priority in our day? Love God, love others. Now, does that mean that you've got to get up at five? No, you might be a nine o'clock read your Bible person. Or you might be a, you know, I don't know. Everyone's different. I mean, God knows how we are. I'm just saying that what comes first in everything that we do, love God, love others. So when I go to the cleaners and what they told me was going to be ready last time, and they called and said to come and pick up because it was ready, is not ready. And I've already stood in line for about five or ten minutes. And not only that, I didn't have any time in the Word, so I was kind of, you know, my spiritual stomach was kind of grumbling. And one of the cleaner's people says, Oh, Mrs. Whitten, um, we'll just call you in the morning. And I want to say, you did that, and I'm here again. That means I'm going to come back a third time for this one sweater of my daughter's, you know? Or I can remember, because I'm in the Word, love God, love others. And then what do I do in the cleaners? There's other people around. I say, that's fine, great, I'll come back. God bless you. And then other people in the cleaners look like, she is from Mars. And it's not because I'm so great. Do you not think I've had times where I was like, okay, that was not one of my finer moments. (laughs) Don't you have those times where you're like, okay, thank God we don't have video cam at our house because it just dragged my child by her hair into her room. You know, we have those less finer moments. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every day, instead of having a big giant schedule of all these different things to do, know that above that schedule and integrated in that schedule needs to be love God, love others. That's our spiritual food. Jesus continues and he says, Do you not say there are still four months, John 4.35, then Come the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For it is in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And I sent you to reap that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you enter into their labors." And he's talking about, don't you see that the world is ripe for my love? The prophets have gone before you. And now, if we go to our day, and we're not really particularly talking about the disciples, Jesus talking to the disciples may be saying, the Old Testament's gone before you. The Torah's gone before you. The the prophets have gone before you. Moses has gone before you. You remember him? Abraham's gone before you. Remember him? 
Joseph's gone before you. But for us in this day, we need to remember so many people have lost their lives for Jesus Christ and still are. And the first one was Jesus. He's gone before me. And so I may be in a situation where I'm reading a little book to my mother-in-law and somebody else has done the sewing where they are telling the speech therapist, you know, maybe you need to go to church or maybe would you like to go to my Bible study? And she's like, no, I don't like any of that kind of hypocrisy kind of crud. And maybe they're sewing, but then I read. Because God has me unknowingly saying, oh, here, let me read some of this book to you and tell you the name of the book. And then she goes after that book. That book is full of scriptures. The book is God the shepherd. It's about God the shepherd. You know? And you don't even know when you're sowing or reaping. And so we need to make sure also that we don't try to, like, close the deal. Like a used car salesman. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes we have this, like, urge, like, I am going to get you in heaven if it takes all day. And we are like this used car salesman, like, you you just got to buy it. Do you not buy it? You need to buy it. Now, you need to do that. Instead of just saying, God, I don't know if I'm the one that's going to sow or if I'm the one that's going to reap, but I lift up this person to you. Help me to have the right words. Help me to have your words. And then God says, well, you have a part. You need to also be filled with my word. You have a part. You need to have my word on your tongue. You need to have, give me, I I just remember the Holy Spirit telling me at one point in college, I was like, I just want to like remember you know, not to do things and to do things, but 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 not through a do-don't kind of um, religious system, but I want to hear your voice. And the Holy Spirit so clearly said to me, give me something to work with. In other words, memorize some of my words. And that's what God's saying to some of us this morning is, you've got the yearning. You're seeking truth. You're a child of God, but give him something to work with. Memorize one scripture, like Philippians, what is it, 1-3, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know that I know a, a, a woman who, I promise you, that's the only scripture she knows, and I'm not promoting that. I'm just saying that, that I know she knows that. And so when she gets in a situation and says, I can't do this and I can't do that, I say, you know what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And she's like, yeah, that's true. You know, truth resounds in you. And the more truth you put in you, the more truthful you are. And the more you see truth. And the freer you are, because the Bible says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I mean, how many of us are trying to get out of some kind of bondage or some kind of problem? But if you're not seeking truth, who's Jesus, then you can just be like a hamster on the wheel. And I've been there. 
I mean, hamster on the wheel, same problem, same situation, same thing, running around and around. I used to just look at them and think, those poor little animals, you know, can you imagine? First of all, I never cleaned their cages enough, so it stunk in there. But then that little wheel went all day because that was like they were trying to go somewhere. And then God has so often in my life been like, you know, you don't go somewhere with me. You're a hamster on a wheel. You want to try to fix that yourself about yourself? You're a hamster on a wheel. You want to try to fix that person without me and, and without consulting with me and getting in my word? You're a hamster on a wheel. You want to get closer to me, really? You want to know me better, but you don't have time to open my word? You're a hamster on a wheel. You know? Next year, I'm going to be faithful and full of faith. You know, faith seems like this like abstract thing that we can just say, maybe when I'm a very, very old person, I will be full of faith. Well, the Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God in the book of Romans. That's how faith comes. We're each given a measure of faith, but our faith comes and increases for whatever God has called us to do as we hear the word. You have faith. And so it's not some abstract thing out in the future. It's more like, no, get yourself where God is. If I could say anything to like this generation anywhere in the world, it would be if you're seeking truth, get yourself where truth is. I don't care if you don't like the pastor's clothes. I don't care if you're wearing jeans and everyone else is dressed up and you feel weird in church. I don't care if you've never listened to Christian radio. You know? I mean, I feel like such a dork sometimes because I'm on two radio stations, K-Dry and KSLR here in San Antonio. Didn't know that they went to Austin. I had a couple of sorority sisters call me and say, hey, we were loving listening to you in Austin. And I was like... Oh, wow. And all I could think of was, well, I don't listen to Christian radio. And I don't because I kind of have always had sort of a prejudice of like, it's just so dorky and it's so Velveeta and I just can't handle that. Well, you know what? We've got to humble ourselves and go, wherever God is, I'm going. And wherever I am, I'm getting to him. If I'm in a waiting room, I'm going to have my little Bible thing with me or my computer or the Bible on my cell phone. You know, we should have no excuse to ever be bored. And we should have no excuse to not have God with us and going to him. And today still people are meeting in China, meeting in Iraq, meeting in Iran, meeting in places that you would be surprised that when they are arrested, they are put in jail for life. And what I'm reading is that the countries are doing it to like the third generation to assure that the Christianity will be wiped out. In other words, they just jail you, your spouse, your children. And that's if you're not put to death. And here we are going, well, I don't think I can go to Bible study because it's raining. Seriously, I mean, 
We've all done that before. I don't think I want to go to church because it's going to be so crowded. You know, it's Easter and, uh, you know, all, all those people come on Easter. People that never go to church come on Easter. People that aren't even Christians come on Easter. People that don't belong to the church come on Easter. People that just, they just dress up and come on Easter so that you can, they can show you what they're wearing. And so I'm not going to go. We, we, we can't do that. We've got to just get ourselves wherever the word is. If the word is at a friend's house, like this room in Elizabeth's house, then we've got to get ourselves there. Avail ourselves to God. Avail ourselves to God. Make ourselves available. And do you remember, I think it was last week when I said, and, and I didn't make this up, I heard this, but I, I think it's so true. God does not look for ability. He looks for availability. You know? And that's why he sometimes uses the strangest people. <laughs> and you got to kind of go, why, 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 God, why use, you know, John the Baptist is eating locusts, honey, doesn't cut his beard, he's kind of nuts. I mean, why are you using him? Why don't you use some clean-shaven, like, nice little, you know, temple dude that everyone can relate to? God uses who's available, and God predestines each of us to live our lives according to our calling. But what a lot of us need to just be is available. In a relationship, if I'm going to have a relationship with you, we have to be available to one another. All of us have had relationships where we call the person, they don't call us back. We email the person, they don't email us back. We go to the person's house and drop off something. They don't return that. They don't, they don't, they're not availing themselves to a relationship with us. It's all on our part. Well, God is constantly seeking you. He's constantly calling you. He's constantly going to your door. He's constantly coming to your heart. You have to avail yourself to him. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.